Welcome to another episode of Electable. I'm Deb Chubb, and our podcast is sponsored by the Indiana Women's Action Movement. Uh, today, we are very lucky to be joined by two legislators uh, in the Indiana State House, and uh, we're very excited they got elected in 2020, and it was, it was just a joy to get to know them both, working with them through uh, 25 Women for 2020, and, um, and really watching them just do outstanding work at the State House. So I want to introduce first, uh, State Representative Maureen Bauer from House District 6. Hello. And and um, and Shelly Yoder from Senate District 40. So today, what we want to talk about is the 2022 legislative session coming up. So uh, we want to talk about what we're going to see, what you're what you are going to be spearheading in the legislature and and what's going to be really scary. So so um, so Maureen, let's start with you. So tell us what bills you are working on and you want to introduce in 2022. Sure, we're in a short session and in the house we're limited to five bills. And so that was challenged because uh, in my first term, there's a lot of ideas that I have and that are issues that are important to my district. And many people who've come up to me and have some important ideas they wanna see changed or improved or made law. So I will be addressing, uh, bringing back one bill I filed last session to address uh, toxic chemical exposure while on the job for our firefighters. So doing some blood testing for PFAS, which is an emerging toxic chemical that accumulates in your blood and in the environment. A few years ago, we in Indiana, we banned firefighting foam because of its toxicity and impact to human health. And so now I think it's time to remedy the health impact of that chemical to individuals, especially firefighters and those who put their life on the line uh, at their job every day. So I'm really excited about that bill and the bipartisan support around it and seeing that move forward. I'm also introducing a bill uh, similar to a, a bill I filed last session about medical screenings for incarcerated women. I think that is an issue across the state. Um, when you're incarcerated, you're under the care of the state or the county. And we need to ensure that that medical treatment that you get is uh, high level treatment, not just the minimum. So this bill will have healthcare screenings for cervical and breast cancer. And it'll also codify DOC policy for when you're released, you will have access to your or ID, birth certificate, social security card, and sign up for Medicaid. Uh, so it's something that's already done, but we hear some stories about that not happening. So it's also to help with that re-entry process, which can be a bit challenging. Um, another bill I'm excited about is a parental bereavement leave bill, um, kind of on the same lines of maternal and infant health. A one in four pregnancies end in miscarriage and not everyone has bereavement leave through their employer. So this would establish some time off to grieve, to seek out medical care um, and really ensure that we're taking care of our health and our mental health as well in times of tragedy. And then the last one I'm excited about is a land bank bill, which was also introduced last year. It has some support in the Senate and the House, uh, bipartisan. And we're just adjusting the language a little bit to uh, make some clarifications to code and uh, this is an important bill to address some uh, 
vacant lots in the cities or towns. We have one in Evansville, Muncie, South Bend has the opportunity to have land banks. So this kind of makes it a little more accessible across the state. So what is a land bank? So a land bank, it allows uh, vacant properties or abandoned properties to be taken over to infill. So it addresses uh, problems of vacant lots or abandoned lots. It addresses housing in, uh, instability. So we have a very sh big shortage of affordable homes and housing. And uh, also the building industry is not, not able to build enough homes to keep up with this shortage of stock. So um, it has a wide range of support to address many of those issues. Um, it's kind of, I like to think of it as building up instead of building out. So if we go into my community of South Bend, if we have some homes that maybe were demolished or are now just a vacant lot, it allows opportunity for that property to come under new ownership and to create new opportunities for home ownership. So it's really a win-win for the building industry, for cities and towns who have those vacant or abandoned lots that they want to address, and then to increase access to affordable housing options. Well, that's excellent. I, well, I know when Gary, they worked on that a lot, but they had so many, you know, abandoned houses, but it sounds like it's really something to really facilitate, um, you know, repurposing, um, you know, abandoned and impacted land, which of course is great because it means you're not, you know, cutting down a bunch of trees to build a new house. Instead, mm -hmm. you're using property that's already impacted. Yeah, so, absolutely. all right, that's great. Okay. So Shelly, so um, tell us, um, tell us about what you're thinking of uh, working on, uh, what you're working on now, what you want to introduce in 2022, and um, you know, and how how you feel about that getting passed. Thank you so much. It's great to be here, and I'm focusing on several issues, but primarily childcare, food insecurity, and housing insecurity. So childcare insecurity, we can call it that because we know that. Indiana has many childcare deserts, and I am in the process of filing legislation that would follow the monies that we're receiving, whether it's through the American Rescue Plan or it's going to be the Build Back Better uh, bill that will pass. I'm very hopeful. Um, but those monies that we are receiving in the state of Indiana earmarked for childcare to a first, we're going to define childcare deserts, and then we're going to follow in a longitudinal study those dollars across time and how the, how they're going to impact positively in the state of Indiana, because we know that money that's invested in childcare and or early childhood education has such a positive return on investment. But if we don't have the data, we can't continue to support it. So my, my legislation is just uh, asking FSSA to create a longitudinal study to follow that money so we can have the data to, to show the immense positive impact that funding and supporting childcare in the state of Indiana has. And food insecurity, I'm filing a bill working with people in my district in making sure that farmers markets who are serving Indiana Hoosiers throughout Indiana, that they accept WIC, SNAP, 
uh, vouchers. That's a win-win for, for Hoosier farmers and for so many who might live in a food desert, but perhaps they have access to a farmer's market and they are using SNAP and WIC. We want to be able to get healthy food, nutritious food into the bellies of all Hoosiers. And then the next is housing ins insecurity. And I really appreciate Maureen's work in land banks. Uh, the legislation that I'm working on is eviction expungement as well as uh, access to screening reports for tenants and capping uh, application fees for those who are using a housing voucher that those fees to apply are capped and if they are if they are turned down that that money is returned to those applicants we certainly don't want to have applying for uh, a house or a, a an apartment to be an impediment for so many of our uh, Hoosiers who are using perhaps a housing voucher. And sometimes these fees are, are really difficult to manage. And then maybe there's just one unit that's available. And, and the, you know, there are 20 people who are applying and then those 19 are out that money. So we want to make sure we get those dollars back into the pockets of, of Hoosiers. And then I'm going to be refiling my net metering bill. Uh, we want to make sure that Hoosiers, you know, we have a gig economy in so many different ways in, in Indiana, and we need to have net metering. Uh, this is this is not, it has become partisan, but it is a nonpartisan issue. We want to make sure that we are uh, permitting and allowing net metering. It's such a positive win-win for the state of Indiana and for Hoosiers, and we want to provide ways to make that feasible, but with the um, ending of net metering uh, coming to a close, we need to uh, repeal that and make sure that net meter remains available, and we are making those investments in renewable energy throughout Indiana and for Hoosiers to be a part of that solution. Also, community gardens, I will be filing uh, a bill to make sure that communities, I mean, community solar gardens, that community solar is an option for people if they don't live in a home that permits solar panels to be put in, but there could be investment in um, in Hoosiers being able to be part of a community solar project and receive uh, their, their energy in a renewable fashion uh, using community solar gardens. And also, uh, just looking at my little list here, oh, I've been working with uh, making sure that investments uh, throughout for state employees that we're making, we're being smart about those um, funds and weaning ourselves off of fossil fuels, even in our investments. So uh, that is another piece of legislation that I will be uh, filing as well. So I'm excited about the those are great. Session starting again and working with people like Maureen uh, in, in the house, uh, but making sure that we're improving the lives of Hoosiers from our northernmost border down to our southernmost and right. east and west. That's great. Oh, it's it's so comforting to know that the both of you are out there doing the work that really means, you know, something to so many people's lives. So, okay, now, so now let's talk about bills that you think might be coming out or that you've seen um, proposed by Republicans uh, where you think there might be some ability to work together with Republicans. Anything, Maureen, that you, bills that you think, oh, this is going to be a totally bipartisan bill? Well, I think our land bank bill would be that way. I'm hopeful Excellent. that it will be. Yes. Excellent. And the same with the 
PFAS blood testing. So we've had some conversations where we have full range of support. Um, I would say, I mean, most of the bills that pass out of the house are bipartisan. So mm. it's easier to think of you know, those ones that seem a bit more extreme and gain more headlines. But uh, as I sit on the Agriculture and Rural Development Committee, all those bills were unanimous support, um, establishing urban agriculture zones. And uh, you know, it's encouraging to serve on that committee for that reason. Um, so I think I'm hopeful that again, most will be that way. Um, so I'm not, I'm not sure if I can think of any other that I would say. So, well, what about a, you know, a decriminalization, decriminalization mm -hmm. of marijuana? Is that going to happen? I don't know. Shelly, is it going to happen? <laughs> is it gonna I'm not sure. We're getting mixed messages from our governor. I know he did endorse a representative Arrington's bill to create a pathway forward, what legalization would look like in Indiana, which I think is smart. It's great. We're having the conversation. We can't just avoid it and say, no, not here. Um, even if our governor says he won't legalize cannabis with the federal restriction, making having it still illegal, we can at least start the conversation, get those people in the same room and um, look at it from a realistic point of view. I thought he was um, fairly supportive of decriminalizing possession um, of, you know, at least small amounts. I think what we're seeing is the, the wave of support is drowning out um, the naysayers and and, and they're seeing that throughout Indiana, there is support for decriminalization. There is support. And going into another election year, there has to be conversation about this because the majority of Hoosiers are ready to move forward with our neighboring states to set up a system. Um, and I know Representative Arrington has language, and I'm so glad to see it. And we we, we need to come to the table, as uh, Representative uh, Bauer said, and, and begin to, you know, what, what can the guardrails be? What kind of system can we set up for Indiana? But the reason why we're talking about it is because it is popular, because they know mm -hmm. that the polls, the numbers are there to begin um, moving in this direction for the state of Indiana. But whether or not we will see any real progress, um, I guess we'll have to wait. And one of the challenges, uh, Deb, really is we haven't seen any legislation that's been filed. So we don't know what could be bipartisan. The only thing that we're privy to is what we're filing. The one bill that's been filed so far is HB uh, 1001, and that is uh, the vaccine mandate. And we're going to be hearing that in committee, I believe, tomorrow. So if your oh, wow. listeners, I'm not sure of what, when this is going to be airing, but Thursday, December 16th, uh, folks can go to the IGA website and watch that committee hearing live. And if, if you want to provide testimony, then uh, that's always encouraged, no matter what what is happening. If you care about a particular piece of legislation, then if you can get yourself to the state house and testify, because that's a, a powerful it's always powerful to hear Hoosiers voices, but one of the challenges that I was just mentioning is we don't know what other legislators will be filing just yet. So we're not sure what all we can get excited about other than our own legislation that we're filing. Jeez, I, you know, it seems like, uh, you know, and then once it starts, it goes so fast. 
It's just, mm -hmm. uh, you wish there were a little more transparency in all of this. So in the bill you're talking about, the, the mandate for vaccinations is really um, um, a mandate that does not allow businesses to require their employees to get a um, vaccination. And, um, and requiring businesses to honor, you know, any exemption that's offered, you know, any religious or health exemption that's offered without any question. So, and there has already been a lot of pushback from the Chamber of Commerce uh, and even Governor Holcomb, who says, you know, I don't think we should be telling businesses what to do and how to keep their um, staff safe. So I guess I, I suspect that, you know, that's going to soften up there. Um, and, you know, because they brought it up, they thought they were going to do it in the one day you were there, uh, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago, and then pulled it off. So uh, when there was so much pushback. So um, I suspect that there's going to be a little bit of softening on that. And particularly because, of course, Indiana is, you know, like, I don't know, the whole at least northern half of Indiana is in the red, uh, you know, positivity rates of, you know, 20 percent and, you know, and hospitalizations at 3000 um, yesterday, over 3000 people in the hospital with COVID yesterday, higher than it's been in a year. So um, this is, a, you know, not a good time <laughs> to be saying, no, people should just, you know, not get a vaccination, not stay safe. And, you know, and frankly, business owners, I'm sure are saying, you know, I, I really need my staff to be there <laughs> and be healthy. And I really do want them to get a vaccine. <laughs> so anyway, so that's a scary one. Maureen, you look like you got something to say. Well, I was going to say, I do commend them for removing one sec section of that bill, which was about pregnancy. Uh, there was a language in that bill that stated if you're pregnant, that could be an exemption. And the vaccine is safe for pregnant people. If the, vac uh, the virus itself has taken the life of many pregnant people. And so that was a little misleading, uh, not based in sound and science. So I'm really glad that they took that out because that was quite dangerous. Um, but yet, I think there's a lot of misinformation about this topic in general, but what I'm hearing from business community is that they would like to allow the option to either allow their employees to be vaccinated or do weekly testing. And so I think we have to continue to, again, to have those conversations with those individuals, with those businesses and make sure that we are passing legislation that is sound and will not end up in the courts because we spend so much money passing bad bills and then going to court. So um, yeah. we just have to be a bit more responsible, a bit more representative. And if you have so much opposition to a bill, let's slow it down and listen to that conversation and maybe we'll have to start over. One yeah. concern I think uh, that we need to keep in mind and, and I've heard this loud and clear from my district is the testing option how will that look? How will that work? That it's incredibly expensive. If you have, um, if, if that's going to be the route you take, what I have heard is we simply won't have vaccine mandates, whether that's in the healthcare field or at schools, um, at, you know, in, in small businesses, because it's just with that language, it's how will, how will that be implemented? How does that work? Um, how, who's paying for it. So we need to really think through those aspects of that language uh, because I have heard some real concern about that portion of, the, of how it's written right now. 
Right, because that this bill, as it's presented, requires the businesses to pay mm-hmm. for testing. If they, you know, if they allow that, uh, then they have to pay for it. Which I'm sure businesses also are, you know, shirking. No, well, do it. pay for it, implement it, right, uh, right, run it. Uh, yeah. Where are they going to get these tests? How frequently? Uh, how, yes, so many, so many issues that we need to work through about that. If that's going to be included. So um, I am lucky because I work with people all over the state and I have seen um, some of the surveys coming from in Republican districts coming to voters and the questions that they're asking are, you know, intended to, you know, get a get a feel for how their constituents feel about issues that they want to pursue. And of course, um, you know, one of them was um, one of them was uh, the CRT, uh, which was in the survey, um, you know, miss misinformation it was it said uh, uh, how do you feel about banning CRT which is a curriculum that says that races should be treated differently um, because of past discrimination um, and so that's coming out and so I don't know if that's going to happen um, I mean and as we all know many of these Republican bills don't come from Indiana they come from Alec a national organization that writes a conservative legislation that they send out to all states and that one that's one of them you know banning CRT in the schools is one of them uh, and then there was another survey that went out um, regarding um, transgender students uh, and their ability to participate in sports in school and so the, I think those are the issues that um, you know a lot of Republicans want to talk about um, it feels like um, the level of extremism is really just getting worse and worse. And, um, and Republicans who are moderate, who are, you know, sane, um, are being primaried by even more extreme Republicans. That's happening up here near me, um, which is just, you know, it's just shocking. So, and it, it is frightening. So, um, so I know you don't know, you haven't seen any bills, but are there things that you are really worried about? Um, and this is, you know, it's important to talk about it now, I guess, just because we need to be ready. If there's, uh, you know, I, you know, there was a promise by Senator um, Liz Brown from Fort Wayne to introduce a bill that mirrored uh, SB8 out of Texas, banning mm-hmm. abortions after six weeks and uh, creating this, you know, vigilante system of enforcement. So what do you think is out there that we really need to make sure we are, you know, getting ready for? Well, I failed to mention that I am working on a couple of pieces of legislation. Um, One that uh, trying to work out the language, but I've filed it, but we're working on the language that uh, Hoosiers can't uh, sue other citizens uh, for accessing healthcare. Uh, so that's one of them. Right. And another one is protecting uh, if we're going to, you know, if, 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 we're, if there is a possibility that there's going to be this legislation of uh, protecting Hoosiers uh, personal health information from um, online, some portal where people can um, enter information that Hoosiers private health care information is protected. So I have two of those bills um, trying to anticipate some of that um that is very much a concern uh so yes i i I am concerned about that you know we hear i don't know about uh maureen but you know we hear when it's our bills and uh, one way that it gets stopped is you know we don't have enough time 
it's not a budget year, or that's currently being litigated in the court. So we're going to let that work itself out. But but that isn't always the case because, you know, here we have, um, if, if we do hear, you know, a language uh, like uh, what we see in Texas or, um, or worse, then currently that's getting litigated in the courts. Uh, so why are we hearing that? You know, so we're going to have to wait and see. Uh, but I, I anticipate something. Uh, and another thing I'm worried about is the uh, turning school board races into partisan races that you'll have to declare Republican and or Democrat uh, as a school board candidate. And that's just the, the wrong direction for Indiana. Yeah, I sit on a school board, as you know, and so, um, and I, you know, there, you know, of my fellow school board members, I have no idea what party any of them belong to. And, you know, and I mean, well, people know me, but anyway, the, that, that means we don't worry about that. We don't talk about partisan issues. We don't pick up things that are partisan. We are really, truly just focused on uh, making sure our kids in our district get the best education and services possible. So I agree. I think that's really just the wrong direction and, um, and it's going to be problematic. Um, yeah. One of our elect from, go ahead. One of our elected representatives who's a teacher and there aren't too many left, but she said she's never heard of a parent who has approached her and said, I want more politics in the classroom. <laughs> so, right. you know, the party of small government now wants to put politics in our schools. And that was an argument uh, years ago uh, to make the superintendent of public instruction an appointed position. And here we are again, uh. trying to take that argument back by saying we don't need politics in our education system. And the superintendent of public instruction has been of the Republican party for many, many years is now appointed by a Republican governor. So if we have critical race theory in our schools, I'm not sure how we messed up that public curriculum. So, I mean, it's just not really realistic again of what we're talking about happening in our schools or in Indiana. The surveys, as you mentioned, are a really great way to gauge what kind of legislation we might see coming our way. Um, one year, there was a questionnaire about permitless carry. Um, and I think the opposition to that question was about 68% were opposed to permitless carry, yet that bill came to the House floor, almost passed. And I think we might be seeing it again. And that's another bill that has overwhelming opposition uh, especially from law enforcement, and they've detailed how it will hurt their ability to do their job and to keep communities safe. And it's just really difficult that we have to continue to put the pressure on being representatives of the district who are there to serve. And that'll remain a challenge, but it's something where the public can really hold their elected officials accountable. And we're going to have to do that all over again in 2022, show up to testimony, give testimony and really make your voices heard. So, yeah. And so Shelly in the Senate, are there any other scary bills that were there last session that you think might come back? I'm sure, uh, of course, right now, nothing is coming to mind. I can't think of uh, anything specifically, but if you give me a second, I'm sure I will, but 
there was plenty. I, I do. I do think we can anticipate if if it's going to end up on a on a poll or a flyer or some kind of a survey, we'll probably see it filed. Yeah, that's you know that was my feeling, and so that's what really uh, started me worrying. Um, yeah, I wonder if there will be a Republican bill just you know banning CRT uh, in schools, and you're kind of like, well whatever it's not there now so uh although you know we did have the big issue that uh you know our our clownish ag rokita uh weighed in on um when there was a case uh where someone was uh, not allowed to have um a black lives matter sign in their room and so you know he had his um you know his um you know smart attorney staff uh write a, a memo on that really you know, really trying to assert that you couldn't, that that was political and that uh, you couldn't have any political speech. And I mean, it's a complicated constitutional um, discussion just because, um, you know, students don't give up their First Amendment rights when they go to school, um, but teachers do uh, because they are state employees. So um, so it, it was a complicated issue, but I, I certainly see that kind of activity, you know, being molded into legislation uh, about, you know, political speech in schools and and trying to morph, you know, actual American history of racism into political speech that is prohibited from being in in public schools. So, um, you know, this is how these uh, this is how these things work, <laughs> you and know, eventually. But to, just to go full circle, the result of extreme policy is because of gerrymandering. So that's right. I would call out on both parties to end gerrymandering so you don't have to worry about getting back to town in February instead of March to run for your primary election. And so most of the opposition to 1001 has been from the very extreme right who don't think it goes far enough. So and we have its challenges of really coming to the middle road where we can create policy that serves the entire state and, again, is representative of our uh, entire Hoosiers that are living here and will end up in courts and try to be right. overturned. And that's how, you're right, you're exactly right. That's how it happens when, when the majority of Hoosiers are opposed to uh, open permitless carry. That um, doesn't matter because, uh, because those legislators can pass those laws anyway and still get reelected. <laughs> that and that's what makes them unaccountable, and that makes them, you know, not in service to the people of Indiana. Um, and that's how, yeah, you're exactly right. That's what the result of gerrymandering is. People can be extreme as they want and uh, can pass whatever they want without any accountability and without and, ever and having I, to worry I, I about. I just want to say, that's right. But I just want to say, what is so scary? about Black Lives Mattering. <laughs> I, I just, I do not, I, I think I'm just gonna anticipate that we'll hear this and I don't understand what is so scary about Black Lives Mattering. That is, right. that, that's like the, 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 that's like should be the, like the uh, we, we should be, advocating much more than that and so what's so scary instead we, of fear yeah exactly we we have um i'm excited 
actually for the conversation. I think that, um, you know, phrases like CRT are out there to scare people mm -hmm. and it's an opportunity to educate people. Uh, so I ask all listeners to consider coming if those bills are going to be heard. We need you in, in that committee hearing. We need your testimony. We need your voices. So we'll, we'll stay in touch, Deb, and let you know when those hearings Excellent. are scheduled. Excellent. Yeah. And so, yeah. And just one last thing on your point about gerrymandering is that, um, uh, well, oh, see now I, now I forgot. I got like distracted for one second and I, <laughs> and I lost track of it, but anyway, we'll get back to it, but I know we're almost out of time. And so, um, I just want to thank you both so much for, um, for talking with me and, um, you know, really advancing, uh, this discussion. This is so important that people know what's what's coming. Oh, now I remembered. This is at my age, like at random moments, you remember. So it was the fact that uh, I worry about laws uh, being um, introduced and passed that are going to affect our elections. So, um, so as you were saying, you know, the gerrymandering is one of the ways that we end up with extremists uh, in charge that don't represent Indiana. And another way is changing the election laws um, to allow, you know, Republican, now we have this Republican supermajority to allow legislators to overturn the results of elections. And we almost saw it last time. There was a bill that said that legislators could usurp the powers, could throw people off of local election boards if they didn't like what they were doing. Um, and that, I don't think it passed because, and I'm not honestly positive because it was this tiny little piece in a very large bill. Um, but I don't think it did. But I suspect that those will be coming back. And we all know that in many other states, those, those ideas have passed. Um, and many voter suppression and election oversight bills did pass. And in Indiana, we didn't get a whole lot of that. But, but that's another thing that I think we have to be on the lookout for. Um, as someone uh, posted something on social media saying uh, Indiana college voter turnout was increased by 20% uh, last year. And honestly, my first reaction was, well, look for a bill that will further restrict college students' ability to vote uh, next year. Because I, I you know, think that's been filed before. <laughs> yeah, it was. Remember, they tried to make it that so they made, made, tried to make it so that uh, college students in Indiana, if you wanted to vote here, you had to get a driver's license here. Mm -hmm. um, and then they finally, after so much outrage, allowed students to use their um, their college, um, you know, which are public schools. It's a government issued ID, uh, photo ID, and uh, finally allowed them to use that. But um, but, uh, you know, I suspect there will be more in that vein this year. Um, so it's it's really tough. It's really tough staying on top of all this. So. Anyway, I'm just, and I'm so happy that we have the both of you in there doing all of this hard work. So, okay, wait, so, okay, so we're out, we are out of time. So just, you know, any final words, Maureen, about the session and? No, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, again, we're told it's a short session and there's some restrictions. We know that there will be a tax cut or there'll be some sort of uh, talk about tax cuts. That's one thing we didn't talk about yet. Um, so they will be reopening the budget to adjust some of the taxes. So maybe that'll lead to more opportunities to have a more equitable tax structure in Indiana, uh, see more relief to working families, put more disposable income into 
your pockets. Maybe take the tax off of diapers and tampons. I don't know, but <laughs> that, it'll be an exciting session, that's for sure. Excellent. All right, Shelly, any final words? I just want to encourage all Hoosiers to stay involved and make sure that your elected leaders know where you stand on issues. We, I know I value hearing from people. And if, if that is an email, a phone call, getting yourself to the state house, that's really tough for a lot of people, but even a personal email or phone call makes a difference. So thanks to all of you who have already reached out and I look forward to hearing from many more of you. All right, great. All right, well, thank you both and um, good luck. I'm sure we'll you know, talk again soon. Um, and I hope that you will come back and do an update as the session progresses. Absolutely. That sounds great. Thank all you. Right. Okay, take care.